Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. Let's look at the sermon, The Saint at Home, Luke 15, 11 through 32. As we go through these verses, I will remind you of the sermon title that I use with each section scripture. And so we'll begin with verse 11. And this section we preached of, of sick of home. The younger son was sick of home. Verse 11. Jesus went on to say, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of, my, of the property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. And then we looked at sick away from home, beginning with verse 13. Then the younger son gathered up all that was his and traveled far away to another country. There he wasted his money in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a time came when there was no food anywhere in the country. And the son was poor and hungry. So he got a job with one of the citizens there who sent the son into the fields to feed pigs. The son was so hungry that he wanted to eat the paws the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then the next sermon we preached was homesick, beginning with verse 17. At last he came to his senses and said, All my father's hired workers have more than they can eat, and here I am about to starve. I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. And then the next sermon we preached was home. Middle of verse 20. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity, and he ran and threw his arms around his son and kissed him. Father, the son said, I've sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. And then we preached on home, sweet home, beginning with verse 22. But the father called to his servants, Hurry, he said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Then go and get the prize calf and kill it. And let us celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. And then we preached last week at sick at home. And so the feasting began. In the meantime, the older son was out in the field. On his way back, when he came close to the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come back home, the servant answered, and your father has killed the prize calf because he got him back safe and sound. The older brother was so angry that he would not go into the house, so his father came out and begged him to come in. And he spake back to his father, Look, all these years I've worked for you like a slave, and I've never disobeyed your orders. What have you given me? Not even a billy goat for me to have a feast with my friends. But this son of yours wasted all your property on prostitutes, and when he comes back, you kill the prize calf for him. And then we'll look at the saint at home. My son, the father answered, you're always here with me, and everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be happy because your brother was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's been found. I want to ask you a question this morning. What character are you in this story? What character are you in this story? Jesus told this story so that you and I might be able to identify ourselves. Now listen to me. Not so you might identify somebody else in this church. So that you might identify yourself. So with whom do you identify? Many people identify with the prodigal son. In the sense that they know the father's love. They have been welcomed back into the family of God after a life of hard sin. But too few people identify with the elder brother. For who wants to see themselves as angry, defiant, bitter, full of pride, resentful, or even backslidden? But I had an epiphany as I studied this. And I read, I studied a lot of Stuff, books, sermons on the on this story, the prodigal son, and I saw a problem because I didn't see this in about every source I read. There's really only one person in this story that you and I are to be like. We don't, people don't, don't see it. They don't realize. I don't think pastors see it because we use this passage of scripture as an evangelistic passage to bring people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And thank God they do that. But I think we miss the point of this sermon, of this parable. We're to live like one person in this story. We're to behave like one person in this story. We're to love like one person in this story, but it never dawns on us. We are to be like the Father in this story. The Father represents, first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father represents God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why pay so much attention to the sons when it is really the father who's the center of this parable and is the father with whom you and I need to identify? Why talk so much about being like the sons when the real question is this? Are you interested as a Christian, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, of being like the father? Do you want to be like the Father? Do I want to be like the Father? Too many of us want to be the one being forgiven. But we should also want to be the one who forgives. We want to be the one who's welcome and acknowledged and recognized. But should we not also be the one who welcomes and recognizes others? We ought to be the one who receives compassion and attention. But should we not also be the one who shows compassion and gives others attention? Too many of us always want to live as the immature child, depending upon others to meet my needs. 
and satisfy my desires and carry my burdens, should we not also be interested in meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ? Should I not help my brother and my sister carry their burdens? There's a church in Austin, Texas that grew to about a thousand people. And here's what their claim to fame was. We are a church where people who have been hurt by other Christians can come. <laughs> and they filled it up. And I understand being hurt. One time, Dean and I were in this difficult situation. We stepped out of that church. We were real young. We went to a huge church for a while and just kind of hid. I understand what's being hit. But I finally dawned us, and we knew this. We can't just sit here in the balcony. And that's where we were sitting. God had called us to something higher and nobler and better. Understand being hurt. But that's not an excuse. We're not identifying with the person in this scripture, the Father. There's something that I need to say here. If I was going to have an outline, and I, I'd give it to you this way. The pain of the Father, the passion of the Father... And the perfection of the Father. But there's something I need to say that needs to be said. The relationship in this story is not between a father and little children. These are not two-year-olds, six-year-olds, sixteen-year-olds. This is a relationship between a father and two adult sons. And I can tell you there is no pain that a parent will ever go through. That is greater than the pain that they can have from their relationship with an adult child who hurts them, who turns their back on them. When they're little, they live under your roof and their and your rules. Not their rules. If you're living under the rules of your kids at home, uh, it's backwards. But when they become adults, they can shut you out of their lives. So I thought about this. I thought about this because all of us, we want, we want our free will. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And that is what comes and happens when we're adults. But children don't get to act that way. But God in His Love lets you and me not act. He doesn't treat us as children and babies. He treats us as adults. Let me try to give you an example. If Adam and Eve were children, I can guarantee you this. They would have never eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If Cain was a child, he would have brought the right offering. If Abraham was a child, he would have never gone into Egypt. If Moses was a child, he would have never struck the rock. If Samson was a child, he would have never dated Delilah. If David was a child, he would have never committed adultery. What I'm saying this morning is this. God has given us free will. He does not rule over our lives as a dictator. He is our Father, and He treats us as adult children who have 
Free will. And when you have adult children who are rebellious, disobedient, selfish, sinful, disrespectful, abusive, rejecting children who make bad decisions and bad choices, you will discover that you are powerless. You will discover that you're weak. There will be a dreadful emptiness in your life because you realize there's nothing you can do because they won't listen. They're not interested in what you have to say. Lack of power means plenty of grief and plenty of tears and plenty of prayers. And you'll know there's no easy answers because there's nothing you can do. You'll be filled with a life of pain and hurt and wounds. And what I'm saying to you this morning, the father in the story had been hurt by his two adult sons. So what do you do when you're an adult father with two adult sons who hurt you? Well, let's see the passion of the father. Perhaps the most radical statement Jesus ever made is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, and reading from the common English version. It says, be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Almost every translation says this, be merciful as your father is merciful. God's compassion is described by Jesus not simply as showing me how willing God is to feel for me, how willing God is to forgive me of my sins, how willing God is to offer me new life and happiness, and thank God He does, amen? But Jesus in this, in this verse is inviting you, inviting you, inviting you, and inviting you to become like God. And to show the same compassion and the same forgiveness and the same love to others that He has shown you and me. It doesn't matter whether you identify with the older brother or the younger brother. I'm His child, which means I'm the son or means you're the daughter of a compassionate Father, you and I are children of a compassionate Father. The Scripture says we are heirs and we are co-heirs. What does that mean? Now, many of us think, well, I'm going to get dad and mom's stuff. I'm going to get their things. I'm going to get their money. I'm going to get their wealth. I'm going to get their house. I'm going to get their land. Let me remind you that was there is Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 16, says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. But do you know what it means in the scriptural sense? Do you know what it means to be an heir according to the scripture? Get this. Don't miss this. This is important. If I'm a son and I'm an heir, it means I'm also a successor 
I'm a descendant. I'm a skion. I'm a branch. I'm a graph. What I'm saying is, get this, do not miss this, this is important. I'm destined as an heir to step into my father's place and offer to others as an heir to a rich estate. Because everyone in that estate is depending on me. Now, I've told you that the elder boy got two-thirds and the younger boy got one-third because that was the law in Jerusalem. And it wasn't just to make the older boy richer than everybody else in the family. The older boy was the one who was the head of the whole family after the dad died. He stepped into dad's place and he held everybody together. And by getting the larger share, it gave him the power to behave and act like the father and to hold the family together. So, as an heir, as a co-heir, you and I are to begin to behave like the Father who has made us heir and co-heir and has given us His gifts to have the same compassion, the same forgiveness, the same grace, the same love that He had. We are His successor. We carry on who He is. We behave like Him. We act like Him. We talk like Him. We love like Him. We care like Him. We bless like Him. We give the same mercy to others that He gave to us. So when the prodigal son and the older son was invited to go back in the house, the challenge they are being given is this. You are to become like me. To be in the Father's house requires that I make the Father's life my own. And I become transformed into His image. Who do you think was hurt in this story? Who was offended? Who was taken advantage of? So if God forgives sinners, then those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ should do the same. If God welcomes those who have heard Him and offended Him, then those who trust in God should do the same. If God is compassionate to those who have taken advantage of Him, we're to be compassionate to others who have done the same. Becoming like the Heavenly Father is not just one important aspect of Jesus' teaching. It is the very heart and center of His message. Let's look at the perfection of the Father. This is a mind-boggling statement. It really is. It's one of those... Pastor Jeremy, it's good to have you. Then I apologize. He's preaching through the... Ser- have you finished your series on the Sermon on the Mount? Okay, but you pass this. I should just have, have you come here explain it. But good to have you, Pastor Jeremy. Amen. But it's mind-boggling what Jesus says in Matthew 5, beginning verse 33. You've heard it said. Love your enemies, hate your, uh, love your friends, hate your enemies. But now I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may become the children of your Father in heaven. 
you may become. Love your friends and pray for those who persecute you that you may become like your Father in heaven. For He makes His sun to shine on bad and good people alike and gives rain to those who do good and to those who do evil. God's good to everybody. That's what that's saying. And if we identify with the Father in this passage, we should be good to everyone. Why should God reward you if you love only the people who love you? Even the tax collectors do that. And if you speak only to your friends, have you done anything out of the ordinary? Even the pagans do that. Now, here's the mind-boggling statement. You must be perfect just as your Father, Heavenly Father, is perfect. Well, we all know I can't be perfect, but listen, you're to be striving towards it. Get your eyes off of others because you can find plenty of people to say, I'm better than him. Used to drive me crazy when Brooke would bring home a paper that was just bad. The grade wasn't good enough for me. And you know what she always had said? Well, everybody else made about the same grade. And I'd look at her like a cow looks at a new gate, you know. So, what's that got to do with you? Keep your eyes on God. Don't compare yourself to anybody else but Him. And do everything you can to be like Him. This is the core message of the gospel. We who are sons and daughters of God are called to love one another. As God loves us, not as somebody else loves us, but as God loves us. We're to love one another with the same selfless, outgoing love that we see in this parable. We're to welcome others as God welcomed us. We must become like the Heavenly Father and see the world through His eyes. We're to be like Jesus. If you see yourself as a younger son... See yourself as Jesus, as a younger son. And let me say something. Jesus was the younger son without rebellion. Jesus Christ was the elder son without being resentful. Jesus was obedient to the Father in everything. And he never felt like a slave, never talked like a slave. He was always a son. And he gave everything just as he receives everything. When I see this story... What I see in the story is that the Father is not, hang on, hang on, hang on, is not concerned about himself. He's not concerned about his rights. He's not concerned about his stuff. Who has been offended in the story? The Father. Who has been sinned against in the story? The Father. Who has been condemned unjustly in the story? The Father. Who has been hurt in this story? The Father. Who has been wronged in this story? The Father. Who has been taken advantage of in this story? The Father. But let me tell you something. He doesn't rebuke the younger son, and he doesn't rebuke the older son. 
He doesn't turn his back on the younger son, and he doesn't turn his back on the older son. He doesn't retaliate against the younger son, and he doesn't retaliate against the older boy. The only concern this father has is his boys and how he can bless them and love them. The only thing the father wants is to give himself to his sons and share his blessings with them. Now, this doesn't mean they could do anything they wanted. But when they came back and surrendered, the younger one did. We don't know what the older one did. We talked about that. He's standing outside the door. And there's many people who live like that in their relationships with others. They're outside the door. They're not sure whether they're going to be blessed. But no submission. But I'm going to teach them. Can you, without putting anything in return, any conditions... Say, I can love like this, Father. Can you love without seeking human recognition and applause? Can you put others first without wanting someone to praise you, exalt you? Can you love like God? Can you forgive like God? Can you have forgiveness? Can your forgiveness be unconditional, which means I'm not going to demand anything from anybody to make myself feel better and to make myself look better? Can I be generous like this father in this parable? In this parable, the father not only gives his departing son... His inheritance, but when this son who has heard his father returns, he gives him more gifts, more blessings. He says to the older son, all that I have is yours. It's yours. The father kept nothing for himself. He pours it out all on his boys. Can you and I be generous? With the gifts that God has given us. As the father bestowed upon this younger son a robe, a ring, and sandals and killed the fatted calf. Or as the older boy, you have a unique place. You've always been with me. You've always been in my heart. All that I have is yours. Can you, are you filled with goodness and love and forgiveness and care and joy and compassion? As this man is. To be like the Father, you and I must be as generous as this Father is. As God gives Himself to you and me, gives the very best, and did He not give us the very best? When He gave us His only begotten Son. Jesus makes it clear that this is the true of a mark, true mark of a true disciple. What did He say? Greater love has no one than this. That someone laid down for his his life for his friends. We're to share. We're to give ourselves to others. Not as children of darkness. Children of darkness live under the bondage of fear, self-interest, greed, and power. Their only interest, sad to say there's some in church like this, is their survival, their self-preservation, and their self-glory. But when you know God and His love, you know that perfect love, that perfect love will cast out all fear and you'll be able to share yourself and give yourself to others knowing that you're doing God's will, not concerned about how others may treat you or act. What is more important to you is not how people respond to me, but what God thinks about me.
What does God think about us? So let me show you, bring it all together. I've said it, but let me tie it all together. The Father and story. Let's see if we're like Him. First, we're to be like the Father in love. There's that boy that has taken all his money. And according to the older boy, he blew it on prostitutes. But when he sees that boy, he runs to him, shames himself, shows his bare legs, an older Jewish man, and runs to that boy and embraces him and kisses him. And accepts him. And why does he do that? He wants to save him from embarrassment. He wants to protect him from being, that boy from being embarrassed. He's not worried about his dignity. He's worried about that boy's dignity. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference. Never miss your favorite show again. For more than 30 years, KNEO has been bringing you great Bible teachers on a local and national level. And now, we've made it easier than ever to hear from these great men and women of God. KNEO's entire lineup is now available to listen anytime, anywhere, through our website. Go to KNEO.org slash podcast to see all the options. You can search for programs alphabetically, or you can select individual categories like culture, kids, leadership, or music. We even have a category just for locally produced programs, so you can hear from pastors and spiritual leaders located right here in the four-state area. And... All these resources are absolutely free. Kaneo's mission is to get God's Word in front of you, and this is one of the ways we do it. Give it a try today. Go to kaneo.org and click on the podcast tab to get started.